Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to Drinks with Tony and my guest, Lauren Dolly Duke, who's the author of the memoir, Shit House. Wednesday, March 16th, I'm teaching a free creative writing workshop on Zoom through the Los Angeles Public Library. That's at 6 p.m. Wednesday, March 16th. Email me at duchesne at gmail.com to receive a link to the Zoom class. That's duchesne at gmail.com for the free creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library. And now, live on tape from a secret location in East Hollywood, south of Los Feliz, west of Silver Lake, north of the Bicycle District, east of Hollywood, it's time. Hi, I'm Lauren Dolly Duke, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Lauren Dolly Duke. She's the author of Shit House, a memoir. Lauren, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, so so there's an exclamation point in the in the SHIT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, did you now did you want that, or is, it, is, is that something that um, that they wanted? Well, there's a lot of they's out there. <laughs> Who is they? <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that's such a nebulous little rabbit hole we could go down right now. Um, but no, it, that was actually something my publisher wanted, and it's really interesting because now that I have been through this process and I've, my, the book came out, um, almost two months ago now. And so I've done a lot of press stuff. And unfortunately there's been dozens of times that they can't say the name. So like I've done, um, radio interviews and just a bunch of media stuff where they're, they can't even say the name of the book. So by the way, in the future, unfortunately, I probably won't have cuss words in the titles it's it's so yeah no it blows my mind because i feel like um i i've been through kind of similar stuff yeah. where we couldn't where it's just things get kind of they'll, they'll even they'll even kill an article because they'll be like oh we can't put that in the newspaper and it just yeah. how how are people this offended by this word when there's so many other offensive things happening in life <laughs> I know. And, mind. and there's so many other things you can say. I mean, it really is just about meaning making, you know, it's like people have made meaning out of these cuss words and, and, and now here we are, you know, but for me, I'm very happy that I can say shit, 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 shit house on this show. <laughs> Actually, what? my publicist, she wrote that to me. She's like, and you can say the name and you can say it as many times as you want. And this is going to be fun. That's what she told me. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Kim. She's a lot of. She's yeah, great. she's awesome. But um, yeah, funny it, lady. It, it's it wait and and uh, actually I I the re I why did I ask a serious question like that right up front? Usually, usually we talk for a little while and then I go, why, why do the powers that be have to just screw with our livelihood of yeah. creativity and putting our lives out there you know because the man unfortunately is still kind of ruling the publishing world you know there's still that's why i think it's so interesting to see so many uh, um so many authors taking 
several different routes, you know, and, and, um, I get it. Cause I went with an indie press as well and, and felt like I had a lot more, um, agency, you know, over the cover art over versus traditional publishing. I haven't been down that road yet, but I know a lot of people who have, and, and, um, they feel like they've, they've kind of given their story away. Yeah. And, and part of, part of it is, yeah, you do give your story away because you're giving it to the masses and that feels weird. Yeah. The other yeah. part of it is, can the, can those people that are on your team also not make it feel as weird? <laughs> yeah. Can they really advocate for you? Yeah. You know, and what, and what you want. And, and um, yeah, I feel like I've learned so much about this process. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, next time around. And also it's really fascinating watching my friends, um, who have, because now with social media, it's like people just have these platforms and they're like, why? I mean, look what Taylor Swift did. She was like, fuck you to her label. And she's like, I'm going to do this myself. I don't need you guys anymore. We don't need the middleman. And, and so it's interesting just to watch that, um, unfolding, you know, as I've been going through this process, you know, and for all the Taylor Swift's, there's like 15,000 people that are putting out really bad self. <laughs> it's, what, what, um, more. The, yeah, more. yeah. I'm, I'm being generous there. It's like the, um, oh my God. they just I'm had that, that New York Times article about, you know, self-publisher uh, raised. Uh, or I saw fifth. that $12 million. Yeah. The, absurd the, amount of money. The guy's been in the publishing world for 30 years. He's got a ton yeah. of books out. He has a huge following. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so the problem with those articles is now there's going to be a bunch of buffoons who've like read one book in high school and go, well, writing's easy. And then they're all going to put out their self-published stuff. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, it does um, because I have read some self-published stuff and you can see that there's no vetting, you know, there's, I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, um, but there has, cause I have seen some people put out some things that I'm like, this is kind of impressive. And mm-hmm. then I've seen other people put out things and it's like, you can tell that there, that there wasn't a middleman that maybe there wasn't even a copy editor. Like this is, you know, and that's part of the thing with going through traditional, traditional publishing. And now that I've been through an indie press, like for my next book, I actually, I already have an agent interested in that one. And I'm going to take that traditional route, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm interested to see what, um, what kind of, a, kind of advocacy I get that I didn't go through this time around you know that I didn't get this time around it's and, it, and it's yeah there's there's because so, um blah, like like even on indie film and studio film there's there it does it, there's not necessarily I've I've been around really screwed up indie film projects that are like they, the, everyone's like we're doing this for the good of you know storytelling and it's just like no you're screwing everyone over Uh, and it would be it would be much less of a screw over in a studio but it's just like um yeah but it's there's so much give and take and you you know it's i um yeah because my first book's on an indie press um soft skull and i you know but uh, it'll be interesting to see where the where the next one ends up i i kind of doubt it'll be (laughs) it'll be uh hey let's get this on random house it'll you know (laughs) right let's say i want this they, they have these sensitivity editors now at these publishers. And, and, oh and I just, and I know this person's brain is going to short circuit. I just want to short circuit their brains when they read yeah. mine and I go, no, we can't do anything with this. Why did you say yes? <laughs> and same thing. My copy editor, there were, there was a few things and she's like, 
I think we should take this out. I'm like, no, we're just not good. Yeah. I want this to be in there. And this is how, um, there was a few things that were really interesting. You know, there was a few places that she wanted me to say something that I didn't want to say. And I fought for my voice. Yeah. And, and then there was, um, a place where like the book is very conversational, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. I just speak. And, um, you know, she's like, do you want it? I mean, in a sense, she was, there was a piece where she's like, do you want it? She didn't say this, but this is, was implied. Yeah. Do you want it to sound this trashy? (laughs) (laughs) I am allowed to call my family white trash. That is, I can say that that's not, I'm not talking about anyone else. And, but it is fascinating right now because there is, I feel like we're just living in a culture of such high sensitivity that, that I actually think it also might prevent people from publishing their books. Like this woman hit me up yesterday and she heard me on another podcast and then read my book and, and she self-published her own memoir and couldn't get an agent or a publisher for it because she used a pen name. So she wanted Mm. anonymity. And so they were like, well, we're not gonna, you won't even put your name on this. So, you know, we're, we can't back it. And, um, so she wrote me this email and I asked her, why did you do that? And she said, um, you know, that everyone is so sensitive and some of these people are still living and, you know, she wanted to make sure anyway, blah, blah, blah. People in my book are still living too, but I just went for it. <laughs> well, as, as we should, because we, sh- um, and you know, I, I agree with that publisher. She uh, you shouldn't put it under a pen name. Yeah. You, you should stand up bold yeah. for your story and go, Hey, if you're offended, then we're probably not a good hang. Yeah. And I've had people, you know, I really have, there's been some people that, um, the book is, there's a lot going on in this book and it's not necessarily for, for everyone. And, um, and you know, and that's okay. And it is going to offend some people, but that's also part of my nature and part of my personality. And, and, um, I, I don't really think that you, write a book like this and take it all the way unless you're fucking bold yeah you know that's the truth <clears throat> yeah and it, yeah it's it, we, we uh, and to be scared of offending some people you, you we need to offend some people and some people and people need to offend us it, it's yeah. good it, it the, the offending things is a it's a good thing to have where the it's like we're actual um actual energy kind oh we and we, I can't wait to talk about your yoga stuff too, yeah. <laughs> but like the actual energy needs to be there. The conflict of energy of people needs to be there. And I, you know, I should be offended because there's some stupid crap. I don't, that I do sometimes. And it's just like, so someone should offend me. And then I'm like upset about it and go, well, that, Oh, what a, yeah. I hate exactly. him. And then I'm walking yes. away and I'm digesting it. And I'm like, how could I have been different there? And wow. We all need to do that. We all need to be, we all need to have a little, we all need a slap in the face. Yeah. Wait, okay. So, we, so many things you just literally um, uh, unfurled the, the whole yes. idea of yoga and my book in a nutshell. So, because it really is about uh, self-investigation and, and, and examining yourself, because if you're going to be offended by something that someone says, I mean, most people are not living examined lives, you know, and, but 
I mean, I, I don't, I think it was Socrates, but he said um, an unexamined life isn't even a life worth living, you know? And so I do think it's like, okay, so we're rubbing up against each other all the time. I mean, most people are just doing this and they're going the opposite way because they don't want to feel the discomfort or they don't want to dig into whatever it is that's making them feel uncomfortable, you know? And so I do think it's important to, I mean, not necessarily offend people, but, but really just um, express yourself. And that's not always going to land or be agreeable for everyone, but it doesn't have to be because everyone needs to be self-accountable, right? right. It's not like, um, it is not my job another big theme in the book to resolve whatever someone else's shit is. It's not. And it is not my job to like a lot of people ask me about the project. Weren't you worried about what your mother was going to think or what your family members were? No, I wasn't because it is not my job. The resolutions are in ourselves. And the reason why I went on this journey in the first place was uh, for my own self-examination and my own self-inquiry and, and to resolve the things that were lingering unresolved inside of me. And if I would have consumed myself with what everyone else was going to think about it or how everyone was going to be offended, I honestly put that on the back burner. And recently I had this conversation with my mom about the book and because she didn't really know what it was about, but I think she kind of knew what it was about. And, um, you know, I told her, look, I didn't think about these, I didn't think about you. I didn't think about, I was, this was my process. And this was my process to, to coming to terms with my life and myself and my own existential crisis that I was confronted with. And that's why I went on the writing journey seven years ago, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I, I think it really does. The, the self-examination pieces is so important. And when someone rubs you the wrong way, it's not that other person's job to apologize. It's right. your job to make peace within yourself for the things that are going on that fucking bother you. And the reason why everyone is so uncomfortable and suffering is because they won't do that. That And that really is, that brings us to the yoga. You know, it's like, that's mm -hmm. what yoga is really all about is that whole soliloquy I just gave you. <laughs> no, and it's, it's really good. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, at the same time, you know, I, I try to do a lot of self-examination and then I'm still irritable and suffering too. <laughs> I'm still really good at that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Well, and there's a whole, like, we are very reflexive people. And that's why in yoga, we, we talk about um, like a daily practice because a lot of people, it's like they go take a yoga class or maybe they like meditate every once in a while. And then you just bounce back to whatever your neurology is, you know, whatever the default patterns of your nervous system are. And that's why, I mean, no matter what, we are going to suffer. We're human beings. You know, that's just the reality of being yeah. in a human body. Um, but having a practice and having resources and tools and being able to, when you feel yourself going into those default responses, whether it's, it could be depression, which is just repressed energy. It could be, I don't, that's not the one I struggle with. I struggle. I get anxiety because I have so much energy. It's just like, rah, you know, that's, oh, that's okay. my, yeah. <laughs> that's the, I'm, that's the other side of the spectrum but I have tools and practices that I can return to when that response happens in my nervous system that I can utilize to bring me back to a baseline. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm always going to be perfect. Fuck no. It just means like, okay, I feel that thing. I don't want to feel the thing. I know there are things to bring me into another state. So I'm yeah. going to access that, you know? And if you don't practice that all the time, you just forget. 
it, and at the same, and I, and I use this a lot when, um, when I'm teaching is writing every day when, when yeah. we, when we, when, especially when we're on a project, if I'm on, if I'm like in the, if I'm in the middle of, if I'm in the middle of a book, like, um, like right now I'm spending four hours a day with my book. And yeah. if I don't, if I, and I have missed a couple of days in the last month and it throws me back like four or five days. It just, it feels like yeah. I just got totally disconnected from it. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, and it's kind of a weird dysfunctional relationship because I'm sitting there going, man, the, my characters in this project is so needy. This is like the worst, yeah. like it, it's like, um, it's almost like the worst romantic relationship possible because I'm sitting there <laughs> serving this person and it's just like such monumental codependency, but, but at least oh it's a gosh. book, at least yeah. it's a book and we get to get it out. And then it's like, okay. Oh. And then everyone goes, oh, that reads so easy. It reads like you talk. And you're like, it takes seven years to make a book read like you talk. <laughs> Exactly. And a, and a really great um, lineup of copy editors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. That's all. That's a whole other thing. But I love the process of um, character development, though. And, and I know oftentimes when because in the in the beginning, it was really hard. I didn't come to I don't have an MFA. I didn't. I'm actually just finishing my college degree now. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't have an MF. I don't even have a college degree. Right. No, I decide I'm going back. I, I actually am about to finish, which is crazy. I'm 39, 20 years later. But like uh -huh. I didn't I started as a journalism major. Yeah, I wanted to write. Yeah, I, I, knew, I always knew that. Um, but it was also like I wasn't in a place to to be spending all of that money or mental energy on school because ultimately it would have just ended up being a waste. And it kind of was. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a waste of money because I was just all over the place. I wasn't ready to commit or I didn't even know who I was or what I wanted to do to commit to, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing being in this experience years later where I'm finishing my college degree in liberal studies because I want to do this master's program in somatic psychology mm -hmm. in somatic psychotherapy. And so I know that this other program, which I've already kind of been doing all these different programs for the last 10 years anyhow, but this program is so important to me, but I can't get into that unless I finish this. And so now the cool thing that I'm like an adult person that kind of understands myself a little bit more, I am able to pick all the classes that seem really interesting to me and, and, and really spend the time committing to them versus when you're like 21 years old, you just want to like get it done. You know, you're fucking yeah. cheating. You're just doing all sorts of like a moral shit to like you yeah. know, to get by. So, but yeah, my favorite part, um, or one of my favorite parts in the writing process was the character development, like really spending that time with and, and discovering like, so like, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, how did you do that? You know, uh -huh. but in the beginning, I, in the beginning of the writing journey, thinking about, and now all these people come to me and they're like, I can't, like an hour. It's like, that's all I can do. But for me, it really wasn't until about three hours that I was really in it. Mm -hmm. Like an hour, I was just like starting to get comfortable with my torn hamstring attachment. <laughs> yeah. <kidding>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah you know, it, it's, uh, and it's wonderful that, <clears throat> I mean, I, I got to get back to the, I used to be a yoga guy 
you know, when I say yoga guy, I mean yoga guy. Uh, yeah. like, like in San Francisco, about you know, twelve years ago, I was, I was like very steadily practicing, and then, and then the weird thing is, I moved to Los Angeles, and then I lose my practice. It's supposed to be the other way around, right? You come to LA, and you just with your with your yoga mat. <laughs> I left uh, mine in San well, Francisco. I know, but there's an interesting thing, and this is actually the topic of my next book. Um, yoga has kind of died. The yoga that we knew 10, 11, 12 years ago has shifted. And there's a lot of reasons why, but I also am from San Francisco. Um, and I, my yoga career began in San Francisco and the level of teacher and studentship was very different. And now we're in this different space of all these blends and teachers who are more concerned with becoming Instagram celebrities than really understand. Like we just have shitty teachers now. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a blur and it sucks because more than ever yoga is so relevant in a digital age. It is so needed. And yet it's falling away for a variety of reasons that will be in my new, my next book. <laughs> oh my God. And I can't wait to, I can't wait till that comes out and I get to talk to you about that. That makes so much sense because the, um, yeah, where, where, where in San Francisco are you? Where are you? Well, I'm from, um, Pacifica and half. Oh, Bay. cool. Yeah. Linda Mar. I used to, sur- I used to surf there when I was a kid. That's this whole book yeah. it is set on Pedro point at the boat docks. That is the beginning. That is where I learned how to surf. That uh-huh. is the whole beginning. So the interesting thing is, is that, that I think one of the, the most feedback I've gotten from this book has really been from NorCal people. Cause they're like, oh my God, unless you're there, you don't really understand like the essence of the El Granada Foghorn or the Taco Bell on the beach in Pacifica. Talk, yeah. Yeah. And now it's all nice. When, when I was a kid surfing there in the eighties, it was just a dump, you know, I was, um, yeah. So, but, and then I stopped surfing in the eighties too. Uh, Oh my God. You got to go back to surfing. What a meditation. It's amazing. I I mean, but then you, you're in LA just when you don't drive. Yeah. I'm far from the beach and you know, it's, uh, and there's aggression out in those surfing spots, which just, I'm just like going really, really. Yeah, I know. It's so, I mean, it's a, it's a tribalism is really at its like most robust right now, you know, in that it's happening in the water, it's happening with COVID, it's happening with vaccines, you know, it's just like, this is, this is the right way. And everyone else is basically the enemy, you know, and, and I think that goes that circles back to everyone being easily offended and not doing any self examination where it's just like, we just went off for like 30 minutes, (laughs) or I did. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, we went, I went in this whole and yeah. now we've made it back. Yeah. No, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, yeah. We just that this mm-hmm. podcast is like yoga practice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's amazing. But but yeah, I mean, that is really the um I'm the essence of yoga and the essence of the book. And and um, you know, people have asked me, like, well, what is it about? I'm like, well, it's about trauma and transcendence, but really, even deeper than that, it's really about self-inquiry and self-investigation and looking at where you come from and what you've been through and how your ideas and personal narratives and belief systems have been constructed and recognizing that they've been constructed and they didn't just come in with you. And then if you can construct something, you can deconstruct it. 
so you can live your best life and you're not mm-hmm. blinded by all your parents shit, you know? And that's, and that's, that's what, that's everything. That's like everything because <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I have my trauma too. I, I grew up in Millbrae. Um, Millbrae. I know. Yeah. We, we got nothing. <laughs> Millbrae, <laughs> sl- Millbrae, Millbrae slogan. We got nothing. <laughs> no, no. Millbrae has like um, a mall, right? Uh, no. Um, San Mateo a, has the mall. A drive-in? Oh yeah. They got drive-ins and then uh, no, 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 no. That was Berlin game. See, Millbrae wasn't yeah. even yeah, Millbrae wasn't even cool enough to have the drive-in. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had Kings Bowl. This is in the this is in the eighties, and then um, there there there, but there's a beauty to nothing because yeah. it's um, everything's changed so much now. And I was on the I was in the East Coast, and I was uh, in Rhode Island in 2019, and uh, like kind of in the so-called rougher area of Rhode Island. Uh, in Providence, and I'm sitting there as we're driving through, and I'm going, "This is Millbrae in the 1980s. I feel so comfortable yeah. here. There's nothing, and there's a level of threat. <laughs> I could buy a house here. <laughs> <That'd be fine. laughs> That's my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's yeah, it's coming at me. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is great. Let's just build right here. <laughs> you know, yeah. Pacifica though, Pacifica is kind of, even though you're like, it's changed. It's still like the culture, the culture is still there, you know, that, and mm-hmm. they're very, it's, there's a lot of tribalism in Pacifica too. And there's a lot of tribalism in the water, but with the kind of tech boom in the Silicon Valley, there, there has been a lot of shift and change, you know, in Pacifica and a lot of different people moving to Pacifica and, and, um, and yeah, and it was interesting, like so many people being so interested in the book there, because I think they're all kind of, even though I told my story in a way, like it wasn't just my story. It was like so many people's story of growing up in small town Pacifica or small town USA, you know? And people, yeah, it's, I think Pacifica stayed, um, especially during the dot-com, it wasn't, I think Pacifica had an, a way of staying its own while Silicon Valley was going nuts and San Francisco was going nuts. There was something about Pacifica that just, you, you went there and it still felt like Pacifica. I don't know. I haven't been to Pacifica in like 20 years, but. Well, it still feels like Pacifica. Yeah. Okay, There's a beauty still- to that. It smells like Pacifica. It's yeah. I just recently went up there to bring some books to some friends' stores, and and um, you know, it was really it was good to because a lot of the things that I went through when I was young happened there. I also associated kind of that geolocation to what I was, what I was going through. And so whenever I would return to that location, I would feel it in my body. You know, I would really feel it in my nervous system. And I'd be like, I got to get out of here. I need to leave. I need to leave. And it's pretty amazing to, because my favorite California is so beautiful. And growing up here, like my jam was driving down the California coast. And now I live in Ojai, which is, you know, between basically just an, an hour and a half north of, of LA. And, and, um, I still, you know, drive the coast up all the time. And that's my favorite thing to do. And I don't want to avoid the coast side because something uncomfortable has happened to me there. And, and part of my, um, I think kind of part of the big thing that happened with writing the book is 
is I, I was forced to kind of look at everything and everything that happened to me. And, and it was therapy in a way it was catharsis, you know, and, and make peace with it and really see it from a variety of different angles. And it's amazing now, like when I recently just went up, I was like, this place is amazing. And that is the transformation because even only like four years ago, I would go and be like, I could feel it. My nervous system would just be like, and yeah. no, not anymore. I just go up there and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. What a beautiful place. And what an amazing turnout for my book too. Like the, all the stores that sold it up there. I mean, it just sold out within two days because no one ever does anything in Pacifica. So people were like, what? Lauren Duke wrote a book. She was such a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, writing a book. you're right. You're like, can I use, she was such a hoe as a blurb on my next book. <laughs> Who can I attribute that to? <laughs> Mayor of Pacifica. She was such a hoe. <laughs> and then under that, New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, you know, hoes got stories. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> um hoes can write books too. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You just started your cult. There it is, right there. There it is. Oh man, it's like me and and Candy and <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, um, and you could do a book of the month club, and I would subscribe to that. But uh, and but it's and it what would be interesting is it would all be very it would be very like very high literary standard books where people would be like, oh wait, this this, yeah. this, this isn't this isn't a brown paper bag that comes in the mail <laughs> <laughs> with the forty in it. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's like, oh, tra- transformed uh, into any into older people who are self aware. Exactly. Who and and that's the funny thing is I feel like, and this can be the challenging thing with kind of waking up. You know, is you move on. You have revelations. You recognize some of these old patterns and behaviors. You become so self-aware that you evolve from those patterns and self-behaviors. But all of these people over here, they don't want you to change. They just want you to stay the same person. And then they hold you to that. And then there ends up being conflict because these people are all the same and you're growing. That's why we often say like, yoga can fuck your life up. Are you ready for that? you know well it's and that's such a i that has blown my mind where it's not like people don't want you to change it's like people need you not to change so they can stay in their own back in there and (laughs) and they need they need their perception of you to stay they they want that status quo and you're just like yeah wait so so as friends you don't want me to grow is that what is that what you're saying so i guess that's not a good friend No, because, because again, for them, it makes them self think about themselves and they don't want to, they, I don't want to self-reflect. I don't want to see your evolution and then think about evolution in general. And maybe that I should evolve. I don't think so. You know, I had a, this, this might be in my next book, but I had a really interesting interaction with someone and I was like, um, 25 and I opened my first brick and mortar yoga studio when I was 25 in Pacifica in Sharp Park. Sharp Park by the remember that, yeah. Um, by Sharp the, Park Road is what we used to take to get there. Sharp Park Road because that <laughs> takes you to Millbrae. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, up to 92. Um, yeah, so in Sharp Park on Francisco Avenue near the pier, 
I opened a yoga studio and I was just kind of building it out. I mean, I didn't really have to do much, but I was like painting it. And I had just come back from Costa Rica and living there for a few years. And, and someone had this little dance space and Pacifica wasn't ready for yoga at that time. And Pacifica was not ready for me to be a yoga teacher. Right. So I, um, and I wasn't really ready to be a yoga teacher too, but whatever. And so I was painting and I went down to the burrito shop, which was the best burrito shop ever on planet earth. And now, unfortunately it's closed. El Grano de Oro. Do you remember El Grano de Oro? No, I don't. The best burrito on planet earth. Uh Um, Gentrification. It's out. But anyway, so go down to the burrito shop, run into this guy from high school. He's out. He's got big truck on the corner. He's smoking a cigarette, blowing smoke in my face. I'm in my yoga pants, just came from the yoga studio. I also was probably hiding in the back smoking cigarettes too (laughs) at that time. But he says to me, what are you doing here? I thought you like moved to Costa Rica. And I said, oh, I just moved back and I'm opening a yoga studio right on the next block. And he's like, the town sluts now going to be the town yoga teacher. Like it was like, and that was, and it was so interesting. And the reason why I, I mean, obviously that's, um, that is a traumatic, that was a traumatic event for me, for someone Mm -hmm. to say that, you know, um, now I don't even care. I think it's hilarious. So I learned from that. Uh, but what it showed me too, is that one, there's an interpretation of, um, what a yoga person should be. And that's part of the reason why the yoga, as we know, it needs to die. And this new kind of evolution of practice needs to come forward because it's for everyone. It's not just for like, you know, peaceful, spiritual. No, it's like, actually those people don't even need it. The people who need it are like the people like us, you know, just normal everyday people. And, and there was, but it was like in this guy's head, he had this vision of what a yoga person was. And I, I didn't fit that archetype. And so I was fake and, you know, it's like, we're all just, I mean, that just shows what we were talking about before. It's like, people just don't want, they don't want you to change. And so sometimes you have to move far, far away. Like I did to allow that evolution to take place, you know, and now it's easy for me to go back and just be who I am. And I can still revert very easily fuck around with all my old friends but also at the same time like no nah, sorry I'm not gonna like smoke crack with you anymore because <laughs> that was like a different time in my life yeah yeah wait wait is is that crack from milbray or is that pacifica crack oh yeah, yeah it's milbray, actually t- oh. <laughs> it's 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 um it's kind of a blend it's p-town milbray crack <laughs> right and and, it, and if you pair it with pasta um with <clears throat> yeah <laughs> and kombucha it's right just, yeah, if you smoke crack and then you drink kombucha and green juice, it cancels out the crack. It's, it, all the organs are just like, oh, thank you. Now I feel neutral again. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Brain cells come back. <laughs> I listened to your, I listened before to, you know, your drinks with Tony, but I was listening to the one you did by yourself, which is so great. You know, the last Oh, one. yeah, that was, yeah, that was, thank you. That was. No, I yeah. love it. I love it. And I was like, oh, this conversation is going to be so fun. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that's what the point across was. Yeah. I was just like, well, I'll just sit here and talk for <laughs> an hour. Well, and it, and, it, uh, really, and have no plan. <laughs> yeah, and but that's the um gosh, so much to say about that. I think sometimes like especially when authors go into uh like press mode, mm-hmm. they get so nervous, you know, it's like oh, whoa, and there's an agenda and like I love that because I've had a few conversations where we literally never talked about the book we never even got to the contents of the book 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really powerful to, to not have an agenda and to just have a conversation because oftentimes part of the reason why people read is not necessarily what the book is about, but maybe they connect with the author. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I don't like, I, I really, I'm, I, it almost hurts my ears to hear author interviews when they're just talking about the book and dissecting every little character and you, and you can tell the host is trying to compensate in a certain way. Cause they need to show up with tons of blue cards. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's, you know, writers are fascinating. Yeah. I, I it's, I, what, what's it like when you just have a lunch with a writer, you know, and it's just, yeah. they don't sit there and go, so how is your arc going along? It's, there's, there's, and that, but there <laughs> well, are how some, is your arc? <laughs> Yeah, well, my arc's growing big because of COVID, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to get my arc smaller. So. Your midline, you're like, well, you're talking about my midline arc, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Act Act two gains some weight. So, oh man, <laughs> God. And but that's, that that could be a good book. Yeah. <laughs> the um. That, I, that makes so much sense though, about the yoga in San Francisco. I used to go to this place yeah. called, uh, it was Hanuman Center in, mm-hmm. near the Castro when I lived up there. Yeah. And I was religious with these people because they were older teachers. They uh, One was from the Philippines. One, uh, Renee, she was um, she was a nurse who got like really, really ill and then healed herself and was totally into Ayurveda. Every class she did, was it just, there was a spirituality to it as well as... Um, it, it, it hit everything. And yeah. then in LA, well, I just feel like there's a lot of actors in there just trying to keep their bodies sp- mm. at the same status quo so they can go to the next yeah. audition. Yeah. Okay. Well, you just nailed it on the head. So the juxtaposition, this is so interesting. What you're talking about was happening in, um, that was ha- happening in San Francisco. I mean, those teachers are rare. And the reason why I also know that I have a future in yoga is because I'm, I am one of those teachers. I, the reason I can say that is because I literally use these practices to heal my own PTSD. And now I study the nervous system and I'm a nervous system educator and, and, and help people understand their own systems and, and how they're basically everything they're doing is, is, either helping them or healing them or driving them, you know, further into these patterns, whether it's mental patterns, physical patterns. But I understand it like on a, a nervous system level, I went through all the philosophy, spirituality. I loved that. But when it came, when I was struggling with PTSD, that technology is not what helped me heal my mind body system. It was theoretical. It wasn't necessarily embodied, but it's important. I think it's really interesting stuff, but let me go back to what I was going to say. Um, what you're talking about this, the, these teachers in San Francisco and someone healing themselves and using Ayurveda and integrating all the spirituality and, and really living the practice, you're talking about embodiment. And when you are embodied in a practice and the understanding of a practice and the understanding of the continuum of your mind with your body and your body with your mind. You can teach a class standing on your head with your eyes closed because you're living it. Yeah. So it is your default kind of reflexive 
response to just share what's true because you are it, right? That doesn't right. mean you're like some sage. That's not me. You know, that's not, I just have an understanding of these practices and what they did for me spiritually, um, psychosomatically. Um, and, and I can share that like in any, it doesn't matter how, what is coming in. I can still share it because I lived it right. This mm -hmm. is an embodied experience. And this is what we're lacking with teachers now. And, and part of the reason why this is happening is because of social media, because of all these facades, because it's another way to become a celebrity. And then you have over here, right? You said you went to LA and it's like, there's actors. I'm not saying that there's not good teachers in LA because there is, and there has been, I mean, I don't know how many great teachers are in LA right now, but historically there's been a lot of really good teachers in LA. Um, but again, that's shifted and changed in the last 10 years. But because there's this drive to perform, drive to be discovered, drive mm -hmm. to be <clears throat> confirmed. And now yoga has become another platform to be discovered, to become a celebrity. There's a, there is a lack of embodiment because, and, and this isn't necessarily true for everyone, but you want to be an actor and you're putting on this show over here to, and maybe Maybe it does help you. Maybe the practice has helped you, but but it, unless you have like literally fifteen or twenty years teaching this work and really understanding this work, you don't you're not really embodied in it. And that is what I think is happening with yoga teachers. It's like everyone is going into like see me, and right. it's very superficial. Versus where we're coming from, like I had legit yoga teachers, you know, I had teachers in San Francisco that were absolutely incredible. I had international teachers that were incredible and, um, and, and it really helped me, you know, it's like, I really was able to ultimately apply all the things that I had learned to really helping myself. And, you know, that's when you're embodied in it. Anyway, that's my point is that over here, you have embodiment. And over here you have performance. And so there's a disconnect really from living, breathing that. And that I think is what's really been happening, especially with the onset of like all the, all the technology that has created new platforms for teachers. That's interesting. It's almost like, <clears throat> this is the, this is the, uh, what I was, um, this is what I was thinking um, that uh, it, it's the authenticity. There's the, cause yoga has a lot to do with the energy of the room. And you could yeah. feel when it's inauthentic and there's a yeah. lot of, in, and I just, and it like, I'm like, Ugh! and it's just like, that's how I feel too. Yeah. But when it's authentic, when yeah. the person's there, when, 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 you know, it's like, I go in and I see a 22 year old yoga instructor and I'm like, oh, okay. She knows how to do, you know, she knows how to call out the, call out the poses and maybe do some adjustments, but there's not a lot of life experience there. Yeah. Don't worry, kids, you'll get some, <laughs> but, but there, but it's just like when you get those people who've kind of been through it and go, this is my, this is the angle. And it's just, it's, it's not huge, but it's, it's enough where you go. This person's authentic. The energy feels authentic. And all I want to do is I, I want to be on this mat and struggling in this tree pose with them around here 
and it, everything just kind of shifts in a way. And it's, yeah. it, it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's, that's been my experience. Every time I try to go to another yoga studio here, but I, but my friend tells me I'm wrong and she's right. My friend Shauna, she's just like, Tony, you know, you got to try this yoga studio. And so I'm going to try this other one. And, um, she's cause she's been doing yoga for like 30 years herself. So she, you know, and when I, yeah. when I see, and that's probably me not wanting to change because I want to keep this mindset of, well, it's all different down here, but maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. I, mean, I need to change and open up and then it comes to me, but I've been repelling that energy. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe not. I mean, we're all, it's like, we are the problem. And then there's also problems, you know, and <laughs> yeah. there is, there is a, there's been a lot happening in the yoga world that I think has made people dismiss it and diminish it. And, 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 um, there has been over the last several years, many scandals. I mean, you had the Bikram documentary, Iyengar, all of our kind of primary OG teachers of Hatha yoga, Hatabi Joyce, um, Iyengar, um, Bikram, John, I mean, just the, the list goes on and on. They all ended up getting wrapped up in yoga scandals. And I think that the kind of guru obsession that we had for a very long time, um, people recognize like, okay, that doesn't work. And there is like yoga can be a little culty mm -hmm. and it, that's still happening. And that's another thing that I'm like, okay, this, the way that we've known the practices needs to shift and, and like they need to die basically in, and new, a new kind of philosophy for modern times needs to become the standard narrative because part of what I have recognized has happened is that, so you have like traditionally, like you have this teacher and you're like the teacher and you put the teacher on a pedestal and the teacher knows best respect your teacher, respect your elders, <clears throat> respect authority. And historically, these teachers have been on pedestals. You literally, they're up on a stage. You're down below. So then the baseline of the practice is listen to yourself. Take care of yourself. You're, we're here to guide you, but you take care of yourself. And then you do something different. And then it's like, no, not like that. Don't listen to yourself <laughs> like that. It's a, it is this paradox that is all like it, the old model, the old paradigm, I just don't think works for modern times. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, there's just been so much kind of guru obsession and eat, pray, love, and, you know, just all of this, like, um, stuff that's not really sitting right with people anymore. And, mm -hmm. and I think we have to shift more into, like if we had more authentic teachers that were just like showing up and because people are playing a role in the yoga teacher now, it's like historically, okay, the yoga teacher is like up on this pedestal. And then these teachers like start teaching like that and kind of reinforce this toxic dynamic that actually doesn't even work. Right. Anyway, I have a lot to say about it, obviously. So what is that? I just thought of the term dirty yoga. 
that that might be a good that they, the new the new term for the new generation is dirty yoga you know dirty we're, yoga we're gonna get into it and it's we are and and there's just like i think there's just been a lot in the spiritual underworld that's still kind of um i mean it goes back to what i was saying about that guy telling me that like the town select can't be a yoga teacher so people have a vision of what a yoga person should be and then they put them there and they put them below over here and then there's this separation and that is actually the antithesis of yoga because what mm -hmm. we're really trying to get people to do is recognize that we're all just energy and when you can get really relaxed we have felt this in shavasana where there's like all of us anyone who's become intoxicated with yoga has felt this you're so relaxed you're skinless you're not separate you're just laying there and you're like oh my god i don't even know what's happening right now i feel so good <laughs> You know, you're like yeah. not contracted in your body. You're just like this. And, but then to go into a class and to feel the inauthenticity or to feel, and it's not even that you can consciously connect the dots about what you're feeling. It's really just a nervous system game. Mm -hmm. You're in a room and all these nervous systems are doing different things. But when there's like, when someone can get into the space and hold the space, and hold all the dirty shit that's happening in the space and like be present and available. There's like a, there's, there's just this like connected, like, Oh dude, we're all the same yeah. versus I think what's happened in yoga world is like, we've, there's been like a big separation. There's the power and then there's the peasants and that's what needs to go, you know? So hopefully this yoga studio that your friend is telling you to go to, maybe there's some really great teachers that don't reinforce that hierarchy. I hope. Yeah. The, the hierarchy, the hierarchy is a trip. I, um, I mean, I, you know, it's like even the, even like teacher student, I just started taking a uh, clown classes and this is the one, <laughs> this is the one thing I love about LA is you can just go to clown school and it's oh like, my God, but it's so rad. Funny. It's, 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 yeah. it's just like, it takes you completely out of yourself and utter vulnerability with 20 other people who are going, let's all act like adult buffoons for four hours on a Sunday night. But, yeah. um, that's kind of healing though, too, is to just oh, allow yourself to be that playful, you know? Yeah. It, and well, I just had my first class on Sunday night and, um, and it was, I've taken improv. I, I'll take an improv class like once every couple of years to shake my writing up or to, you know, just, and plus yeah. it just feels good. But this one, he made a, he was like making us all like look into each other's eyes before we even really met each other. And we had to sit there and just yeah. be quiet and look in each other's eyes and we couldn't, and it's, and then it just, he took us to more vulnerable and more vulnerable. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm going that. And, and this guy's like, this guy's been teaching this for like 30 years. And it's just like, that's the T that's the guy. That's the teacher. He does, he does hold yeah. the higher, the higher hierarchy in the room, <clears throat> but he's also someone I'm sure after class, I can go, let's get a cup of coffee and talk about some totally. other stuff. And, it, and then but it's, it's not just, toxic. It's not right. toxic. It's not like you're a piece of shit or you're less than me. I'm the big person. You're the small person, you know, because there right. is something to say about people that we revere and respect and are inspired by, you know, and that we want to aspire to be like that person. That's one thing. But when that person also keeps themselves there and makes other people feel less than for not, it's just like, that is what I'm talking about is that right, right. big sense of, of separation. And, and that's why I think we're basically like living in a traumatized culture is because that level of kind of hierarchy and authority is reinforced everywhere.
you know, in business, in, in every, it's all over the place. And it's like, we're actually all the same. Yeah. We are. If you take away the skin, if you take away personalities, if you, it's like it, when you can get below all the bullshit and that's why I love that the clown classes, that's what he's doing. He's yeah. taking people to their most vulnerable state so we can recognize we're all the same, but also so we can embody different nervous system states, which when you, which is different emotional states. So when you're the clown or when you're the actor, it feels real because you're embodied in that state. You have felt it. Yeah. You know, and with, I mean, and with other people yeah. in a, in a, in a situation where it's just like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I'm the oldest guy in this class. <laughs> and, and everyone there is an actor, you know, it's so, no, there's like three other writers in there and they, and they're kind of looks like grizzled older dudes. And then the, everyone else is just like, you know, they're going on the, on auditions, auditions tomorrow. But after class, we're all talking to each other on the exact same level. It's just like, yeah, um, exactly. Cause it brought us all back down to being human. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It just breaks down the barriers. It's funny because those are all yoga practices too. They're yeah. meditation practices there. It's like getting, getting you to strip off all the defensiveness, you know, the self, uh, the, the, the self-defense mechanisms, because they're, again, I always bring it back to the nervous system because this is what I do now, but this, the nervous system's job is to survey, surveil the environment. Like the job of your nervous system is to literally, literally protect you. And now we're living in such frenetic environments that our nervous systems are just tripped on all the time. And we don't, we don't know that because this is all just happening below cognition, right? It's just our body doing what it's supposed to do. And so we're all in this kind of defensive tribal state and it's creating, I mean, that's why this, the last few years has been so amplified too. There's just, there was already fear and now there's more fear, but people don't understand what it's doing to their bodies and how that's literally keeping us on guard, like a soldier at all times in heightened alert, you know? Yeah. So you're like, and so to strip all that away and create like Tara Brock is a Buddhist teacher and she calls it the undefended presence. Ooh, and like these that. are what it's like stripping off all the guard. And this is what a yoga practice is doing. My friend who was a, uh, did a lot of acting classes and stuff in LA. She's a yoga teacher now. And, and she's always like, Oh my God, all I realized only now years later, that all of my acting classes were all just nervous system classes, getting you to understand, because if you can't embody something, like how can you really convince the audience? Yeah. Like you have to be able to embody all these different, because we're, we've all felt it. We felt sadness. We felt pain. We felt joy. We felt grief. And like when, when we can go back to those places and like really feel it, you know, that's, it's like, you can embody that and step into your monologue or whatever. Right. Yeah. And actually, I'm not, I have no idea. I'm just making that up. But. No, it's really good. I mean, I'm not an actor. So I just, I just go in, the, I just go in there with like, um, you know, me and like two other people, especially in LA, we're like, we're not here to get anywhere in this. We're just, yeah. we're here for ourselves. But, yeah. it, and then it turns out a really good teacher and a really good class like that shifts the whole room to go. You're all here for this straight purpose. up. Yeah. That and is then, a good teacher. Yeah. That's a good teacher because you're, they are basically influencing 
the energy of the room, which is they're influencing people's nervous systems. And one thing that I, that this teacher is probably, um, if this teacher is really embodied and not insecure and not like, then he's a grounded or she, whatever they, whatever, are a grounded person and they're a safe, they become a safe presence for people to unfold. Yes. But when, like, when I walk into a room and there's a fucking 22 year old yoga teacher, I'm just like, here we go. Like, what the fuck can you really understand about a mind body system when you are 22? Yeah. I I just, (laughs) they're, and they're afraid. They're afraid because then I get defensive. Like, oh God, because I don't feel safe in that person's presence. I don't want them to touch me because I don't want them to push me into any weird position just because they just don't understand. They just can't understand like a high level of biomechanics or, or, or a nervous system or like what somatically what's, or psychologically what's happening with someone. I mean, there's so much in a yoga room, you know, there's so much. And so anyway, we need better teachers, but it's going to happen. Well, I'm glad you're taking the, I'm take, you're taking the helm on that and becoming, and it's a continued process to become a, yeah. a better teacher. I mean, your life experience. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're 40 now. Is that the 39? Yeah. 39. Oh my God. I, gave I mean, you I that. know I look amazing by the way. I know I don't look. <laughs> no, I was trying to do the math from earlier. Cause you're I'm like, like this fuck guy you. Was tw- I'm not 40. <laughs> this guy was 27. And then you said, then you said, yeah. so he was 12 years ago. And then I, so I did the math and I did the math wrong. I was doing yeah. math. You look like you're great. 12. I shouldn't Thank even be you. talking to you. God, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> this, this might get me arrested. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. At 39, when you're 59, you're teaching, it's going to be such a, the people are going to be like flocking to you and you can, you can become a cult leader and take control of this whole population. I am right now. I'm already doing it. (laughs) Or you could just embody what you're already doing. And then that's when people are just going to be like, oh, the breath of fresh air. Where are we in 20 years? I don't know. I'm I've probably lost a few teeth in 20 years. I got a little denture thing next to me at the, uh, I'm that commercial. I'm that commercial. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have dentodite or whatever? Yeah. And this, this actually brings us back to, you know, truth and authenticity. That's, that is a breath of fresh air in Mm. a very contrived culture. And so that's really, I think what it takes to write something that, people are really interested in it's like tell the truth just tell the truth because when because my truth is not it's not just my truth it is a lot of people's truths and this is what stories have been doing since time immemorial like if you look at you know any of the great writers you look at Shakespeare it's like if you go below we're we all see ourselves in that yes are the Romeo and Juliet like this is why these stories are so timeless, you know, and that's what we're doing in these stories is we, we get attached to either, you know, the story narrative or the characters because we see ourselves because something feels relatable. And, and that's really all, that's really all you need to do is just tell the truth. And for me in doing that, I feel like it was like, I don't even care if the book never goes anywhere. I 
I do. It needs to go somewhere. What? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is going somewhere, by the way. I'm, it is happening. It's happening. But even if it doesn't, I don't care because I realize it was my process to move all of that out of me and to also organize the things that had happened and make sense out of them and give them meaning and purpose for my existence. And I feel like, I'm like, can everyone do that? Please, everybody sit down for the next seven fucking years. I know it's a privilege to be able to do that. And, and, and parse through your fucking life and look at yourself, you know? So, because I don't want to be defined and my history and my family's history and my historical, you know, and, and my historical lineage, I don't want that to dictate every narrative in my mind. I don't want, because my mom told me when I was little that whatever, no one in our family goes to college, that that means I don't get to go to college because these are the things that I believe for a long time. And it wasn't until I really wrote this book and, and, and just reorganized everything and kind of extracted and dissected and deconstructed that I was like, Oh my God, it's all bullshit. Everything I learned was bullshit. I am whoever the fuck I want to be. And that is also the very foundation of yoga. Wow. Good stuff. (laughs) It's really good stuff. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Lauren Dolly Duke on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, Shit House. Next week on the show, we have Christy Hallberg chatting with us about her new book, Searching for Jimmy Page. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. I'm sick to death of hearing things from neurotic, psychotic, short-sighted politicians. All I want is the truth. truth. Just give us the truth. truth. I'm sick to death of reading things by stupid little pop-pop-pop-pop-robbers. All I want is the truth. truth. Just give us the truth. I'm short-sighted, yellow belly, son of tricky dickies.
Thank you very much.